Hey Radiant, it's uh, week five of online church and uh, the week after Easter Sunday. You know, I went into this week wondering whether or not we should continue our Fearless series. We did three weeks of Fearless and then we had Easter Sunday and I thought, you know, in those early weeks, things were changing so fast. It was really important to address what was going on. So we started this series and I wasn't so sure. I mean, even the Easter message, while it wasn't part of the Fearless series, was definitely tied to it. So I started this week trying to figure out whether or not we continue the series or not, and, and I felt like the Lord gave me a direction. Uh, so I went that direction, but I did, still didn't know how it would tie in. That was until 3 o'clock this morning. You see, at 3 o'clock this morning, all of a sudden there was an amazing clarity that, that, that took place in alignment that that I guess God probably knew was there the whole time, but I didn't necessarily expect or recognize. What happened at three in the morning? Well, Heather and I found ourselves both wide awake, wide awake, and we began to talk. As we were sharing uh, just our thoughts on what's going on and what could possibly happen, all you know, all the what ifs, what if this, what if that, over the next few days or few weeks or even months, what if? We shared things that um, we didn't, actually admit to one another last week or the week before that. We, things that we had joked or hinted about, but we never really wanted to delve into a conversation about. Um, our words were mixed with faith and with fear. Our answers were far less than all the questions we have. I found myself in that moment at three this morning, trying to recall all these big main points over this last month of sermons that the, the key to fearlessness is believing that God is with you. He's your God. He will strengthen you and he will help you and hold you up. That fear is an invitation to seek God's way forward into fearlessness. That Jesus doesn't provide a recipe. He provides a relationship for navigating a changing world. And then our Easter message, that living an abundant life is not dependent on the circumstances of today, but it's dependent on an event that happened 2,000 years ago, the resurrection of Christ. You see, at 3 a.m. this morning, I was trying to remind myself of all these messages because I don't want to live in fear. I mean, I, I want to practice what I preach. The problem is these statements, as true as they are, it's easier said than done because we tend to slide back into our default patterns of thinking. If fear and obsessive worry is my default pattern, then I'm going to choose the place where I'm comfortable. I'm going to go back to those patterns of behavior and, and thoughts, fear and obsessive worry. Even if I catch myself obsessively worrying, doesn't mean I will correct it because I could say, you know what? I, I choose to indulge this. This is where I'm comfortable. And at this moment, I want this. Just because I know truth doesn't mean I choose truth. So how do we put these, these truths of these last four messages into practice? How do we better live out what we know is true and helpful? That's the focus of today's message. I, I want today's message, I want to offer practical help that's based on theological clarity. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Paul wrote the book of Colossians to combat false teaching that was taking place in that church, a teaching that devalued 
Christ's work on the cross, uh, the salvation that he uh, won for us and, and sanctification, how we as Christians become like him. Paul wanted the Christians in that church to know uh, what Christ did for them on the cross in terms of salvation and sanctification. He wanted them to know their standing in Christ, that they are being transformed into the image of Christ, and then the implications of that transformation. Now, we're going to read in chapter 3, starting in verse 1, but I, I want to uh, set you up for what we're about to read because in chapter 2, Paul goes after these false teachings. Let's read what he says right before the passage we're going to read. He says this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So Christ has set you free. That work is done, right? So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle this, don't taste, don't touch? These rules were, are, are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise, because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. See, there was the working hard, being better, trying harder, but he says ultimately, all those efforts, they're not conquering the evil desires that we have. So let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1 through verse 11. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinfully, sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. So, Paul picks up, like I said, this comes right off of the Easter message about we live and have experienced as, as Christians a, a resurrection, a spiritual resurrection. We have died and we have been raised with him to new life. Paul picks that up in the very beginning, in verse 1. He speaks of the spiritual resurrection, what that means, that we have died, we died with Christ, and now we live a different life, a, a new life. We've been raised to new life with Christ, and so our values and our desires, they change as our life is lived with Christ. Let's keep going on, verses 3 through 4. He says that, we are hidden in Christ. Our real life is hidden in Christ. He reiterates this idea that we have died with Christ there in verse 3. Then he says your real life, this resurrected life, is hidden in Christ. This is kind of summed up really neatly in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I mean, that verse right there sums up this idea of, I don't live anymore because I've died with Christ and I've been raised to new life and my new life is in him. We are hidden with Christ. What does that mean? Paul's referring to the source of the believer's life as the resurrected life of someone who has put their, their, their trust in Jesus, who has experienced a spiritual resurrection. We have a new source of our life. And what's that source? It's Christ himself. You see, a Christian's new values are not something that are artificially adopted and superimposed on top of a person that has not yet been changed. Christ is the one who brings about change. He's the one who changes us. He's the one who makes change. He's the one who makes us more like him. A new life, that resurrected life, is a life united with Christ. A new life is that life that's been united with Christ. It's a gift that we have received. But let me say that just because we've been united with Christ doesn't mean that we can put things on autopilot. It doesn't mean that Jesus will override our ability to choose. We have been given a new life as a gift, but it's up to us to live a life that's consistent with our new identity that we have as somebody who is in Christ, as somebody who's been, who has been transformed and is continuing to be transformed into his image. Now, stick with me here because we're about to go over verses 5 through 15. And when I, I've already told you that I, early on in my Christian life, I, I saw the message and I heard the message of try harder and be better. So I would have read these very verses, put to death the sinful things, the earthly things that are looking within you. And then verse 12, clothe yourself with tender hearted mercy. I would, I would have read those as to-do lists. I would have read those as because Christ has died for you and you've got this clean slate, keep it clean. It's your job to do better and try harder, put to death the sinfulness and, 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 and do better at the good stuff but it's not a to-do list. It's, it's an opportunity for us to live and make choices based on the life of Christ in us. It's an opportunity to, to reflect the unity that we have with Christ, to let his life flow through us. The new life is a life that's united with Christ. So that's the theological clarity that I want. It's not a message of be better, try harder. It's a message of grace. It's a message of his life in us. So what does that mean for us? What does it mean that the, the new life that we've been given is, a, is, is a, a life that's united with Christ? What do we do about that? Well, first of all, stop trying harder to be better. I mean, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Instead, let the life of Christ flow through you. And I know that's easier said than done because right now the life of, of Christ, being united with Christ is all this, it's a theological idea. This is the tool that I believe will help us as we find ourselves asking ourselves all the what if questions. What, what if this happens in the next few weeks or months? Crying to walk in the spirit and crying is spelled in this instance, K-R-Y, because they stand for three different things. First of all, the K is the word no. Romans chapter six, verse six says this, for we know, there's that K for no, our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. In essence, it's saying, because Christ died, I died. I'm dead to that. Sexual sin, the, the moment of temptation, you can, you can catch yourself. That moment of uh, uh, believing the lies that... You, 
you've believed about yourself that, are, that don't line up with the truth of God's word, you can catch yourself. Finding yourself at three o'clock in the morning, obsessing in worry about the future, you can catch yourself and you'd be like, that pattern of thinking, that, that, I'm dead to that. We've already said knowing truth and choosing truth are different things. So now there comes the, the letter R, K-R-Y, reckon. I know reckon's not like the most common phrase, but it, it means to take into account, like if, 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 if this is true, then I reckon this is true. If I am dead, then I reckon. So listen to this. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 says, So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Because Christ died, I died. Because Christ lives, I reckon, I live too. This is the death and resurrection that we've talked about for two weeks here. That I'm dead to that. I'm alive to Christ. And then the last letter is Y for yield. Romans 6, 13 says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So your whole body is an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. This is the point where we recognize in that moment where we want to indulge, we know truth, but we don't necessarily feel like choosing it. We can catch ourselves saying, I'm, I'm dead to that. I'm alive in Christ, and I'm going to yield to Him. I'm going to yield my body. I'm going to yield my mind. I'm going to yield my desire and my will and let Christ's way win out. Listen, if you're not a Christian, I um, want to say thank you for joining us. I, we've laid out a lot of things here, and I've talked mostly to Christians in this message. I'd like to believe that through this whole message, you, you, you recognize that Christians don't have it all together. Um, I hope you would hear as I spoke to Christians that, that we are still in process of becoming, that we are still, that we, while, we, while we believe in Jesus and we believe he saved us, we, we have not arrived. The message of Jesus is that we are all sinners. We all fall short. None of us deserve to be in the presence of a God who is righteous and holy. There's nothing that we can do to get closer to God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God, God made a way for us. God is the one who takes the initiative by sending His Son, Jesus, to live a life on this earth that, that was righteous, a life we couldn't live, and to die a death that we deserve because of our sin. And because He is God in the flesh, fully man and fully God, he's the only sacrifice who could make things right. He's the only one who could actually mediate between man and God. And all we need to do is believe, trust, confess that he is the Lord. It, there's, a, there's a crossing a line of faith that takes place in our hearts and our minds well before we ever pray a prayer. Although I'm for praying prayers, but it's believing If you do find yourself saying, yeah, I believe I'm crossing this line of faith, um, I'd, I'd invite you to reach out and contact us at the church because I would love to be able to uh, make a connection, provide some resources or some direction in these early days. It's really important to, to make sure you start off on the right foot because uh, I know 
a lot of times you come in thinking a lot of preconceived ideas of what church is about and um, I'm hoping that we surprise you and you say, oh, it's better than I had feared. This new life is a gift. We've been united with Christ and we are complete because of his work on the cross and it's his work on the cross that allows us to live well in these challenging times. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement it brings us. We find ourselves reminded of just how little and powerless we really are. We, we can't do anything to make us right with you but how great and loving you are because you took the initiative to make us right with you you took the initiative to rescue us and once again when it comes to us being changed and transformed you are the one who's doing it your life in us and yet we have choices to make may we make those choices based on what we know is true. May we yield to your life in us. We thank you for the union that we have with you. Lord, I pray that um, as we walk into this week, as we walk into the days ahead, the months ahead, as we walk into the unknown, that we will continue to make the choice to line our life up with what we know is true and what was accomplished for us and who we are as a result of the work of the cross and the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.